Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Well, good morning, church. It, I, I love when I, when I get the opportunity to, to open God's Word and get to hear uh, how our church just loves to communicate and talk to each other. And I would encourage you to find uh, someone that you've never met before uh, after the service when you go for a coffee. Uh, now, I, I wonder if this might be a, a scenario that might have played out in, in your world. And this is actually a really fresh illustration because it happened last week. Right. Talk about God's timing when you're trying to prepare a sermon. You see, on our way to church, uh, our morning routine uh, is that Emma and I will call in at 7-Eleven uh, to grab a coffee because, you know, it's pretty cheap and it's pretty good. Right. Uh, now, the, the problem is uh, this particular incident happened on our way uh, to rehearsal last week, and I had to send Max a text to say, mate, I'm going to be late. All right. What happened was Emma got really, really excited because when she opened the app to, to pay for the coffees, she found out that she had uh, won a reward of a Mountain Dew and a slushie. So she had, she had no hands left. She was super excited. I wasn't because they weren't mine. Uh, but it also let, uh, left me holding both the cups of coffee. Now, some of you probably already know where this is going, but let's just play it out. Uh, because Emma had no hand, she was trying to slide into the passenger's side. At the same time, I was hopping into the driver's side, trying to put the cups into the cup holder. In Emma's excitement, her elbow connected with the coffees that I was holding. Right? To make matters worse, this was in my car, all over my favorite white T-shirt, and these were new coffees, so they were pretty much still boiling hot. Now, to make matters worse, on inspection, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty cranky. But on inspection, it got even worse because to add insult to injury, the coffee that spilt the most was my coffee. <laughs> now, the reality is, if you know me really well, you know that I actually don't function terribly well until about 10 o'clock with at least one cup of coffee. And I actually get really kangry. I get coffee angry. And I can hear Emma down the front saying, it's true. It's so true. I think Dave was agreeing as well. Uh, but, but anyway, as you can imagine, uh, it made the drive home super awkward because there was no way I was going to turn up to church with coffee all over me. Max got the text, and that was about the most communication that was happening, at least from my side. Uh, Emma was sitting there saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I did not want a bar of that at all. Right? So anyway, finally, when, when we got home, I knew in that moment, though, all Emma wanted me to say was that it was okay. She wasn't going to get that for a while. But when I got home and I changed out of my shirt, I, I found that there was coffee in places. There shouldn't have been coffee as well. But I went outside and I said to Emma, I gave her a hug and a kiss and I said, you know what, it's actually okay and I apologize for my behavior. I forgive you. Right? The thing is, I might joke about this whole scenario playing out and my need to forgive her, but the reality is there was probably a few of us that as soon as you heard that word forgive, that you kind of did a little bit of an awkward shift in your chair. 
And because I know that there's some people that are probably sitting here this morning that have had a whole bunch of stuff go on that they wonder how forgiveness is possible. And I've been there too. And I actually want to recognize that straight up this morning. See, forgiveness is actually, it's really, really hard, right? Famous author C.S. Lewis writes that everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. And then to mention the subject at all is to be greeted with howls of anger. You see, forgiveness can be easy to say, it can be kind of easy to preach, but the thing is, it's, that is until you have someone or something to forgive, and that it actually becomes super hard to put into practical application. And I actually reckon that's probably one of the hardest things that we have to do as Christians, is to be able to forgive someone else, because it is so hard. But before we get any further into the message this morning, let's just pray uh, together. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you that you are here in this place. We've, we've felt it already. But Father, this morning, as, as we open your word and we continue uh, this story of Joseph, it's my prayer that our eyes uh, and our hearts and our ears will be open to the message that you have uh, for us to receive today. Father, for those of us that, that are struggling with, with this idea of forgiveness, I pray that there'll be a, a peace that we can sit in and we come to a new understanding of who you are. Father, we just want to thank you for these things in your name. Amen. See, forgiveness is actually a really big issue in our lives, whether we actually realize it or not. And it's, it is a big issue throughout the Bible. Cover to cover, there's 128 references to it. And after all, forgiveness is why Jesus came to make forgiveness possible for us, and then because he made it possible for us to be forgiven, we're called to not only act forgiven, but to forgive. That's the message for today. Right? You've probably heard that a hundred different times. But that is, it's, it, forgiveness is easier said than done. I want to break down forgiveness, right? Forgiveness has three elements to it. There, there's an injury or something, the harm that someone's done to us. Then there's the debt, there's the response to that harm, and then there's the cancellation of the debt. To, to kind of put it into a, a nice Bible college summary for you, forgiveness cancels the debt of injury to provide the opportunity for the restoration of broken relationships. But to simplify it even further, it actually means to be released or to be set free. But so often we, we seemingly get stuck in, in the injury or the debt part. And, and as we, we've been journeying through uh, this story of Joseph, you know what? Jo Joseph actually had the opportunity to get stuck in this space as well, and yet he chose not to. And, and this morning we're, we're going to have a look at, at, chapter, at Genesis chapter 45, if you want to follow it through. Uh, in your Bibles or, or on your phones. And, and this is the point where Joseph is actually faced with this decision uh, to forgive his brothers or not. In case uh, you haven't been here for the last few weeks, I just want to take a real quick second to, to recap uh, the story. Right? So Joseph uh, was the favorite son of jo uh, Jacob, and he got given uh, this really fancy coat, uh, and then he was kind of gloating about these dreams that he was having. The problem was that actually got him into a fair bit of trouble because his brothers 
got jealous and they beat him up and then they sold him into slavery. After selling him into slavery, he landed in uh, this guy called Potiphar's house and he was a pretty high up official. And in, while he was in Potiphar's house, Potiphar, uh, Potiphar's wife, or if you've heard Dave's joke, Potiphar, uh, kind of falsely accused him uh, of, uh, of doing some stuff that he shouldn't have done and then he got thrown into prison. While he was in prison, he uh, had the opportunity to interpret the dreams of some people that were pretty close to Pharaoh, which then meant that he actually got the opportunity to interpret Pharaoh's dream, and in the process, he saved the nation of Egypt and the nations around it from famine. And he kind of became a pretty big deal in the royal court. And this is where we land, just a couple of chapters before this, in chapter 42, we see the reintroduction of the brothers that kind of kick-started this whole thing. And now that we've set the scene, I want us to take a look together at, at, at how Joseph actually could have responded in this moment, but then more importantly, how he actually responded and the lessons that this might be able to teach us about forgiveness. See, I wonder if you've ever experienced that, that moment where somehow, some way, you're kind of walking along and you feel this kind of annoying thing in your shoe, you know, that rock, right? You're walking along, and you feel it niggling you, but it's not the most opportune time to deal with it, and it's just going to keep, you try to forget it, and it's, but you find that it's going to keep annoying you, right? Has anyone actually experienced that? Yeah, cool. But the thing is, the more you actually try to ignore the problem, the worse it, worse it gets, right? That is, until you take your shoe off, and you deal with the problem. Now, I can tell you that was annoying me because I've been walking. (laughs) But see, here's the thing. I couldn't help but, as I was kind of reading through this story, I couldn't help but wonder whether Joseph had moments, particularly now that we sort of see that he's he's kind of a bigwig, where he may have actually had the opportunity to forget about what had happened to him. But no matter how hard he tried, I reckon it would have just kept, kept... coming up. You know, by this point, he'd landed himself a pretty cushy position. He was essentially the second in charge of the entirety of Egypt to Pharaoh. Uh, You know, he'd been gifted a wife by Pharaoh. I reckon he probably had a condo overlooking the Nile and had the latest model of chariot. That's just me being able to use preacher's license in that space. But, you know, the other thing is he actually probably never thought that he was going to see the brothers again. And so he kind of was just like, look, I reckon he's a little bit like it is what it is. This has happened and this is where I am. But you know what? Here we find those brothers standing in front of him again and he had to make a choice about what he was going to do. I wonder if you've ever heard someone say, you just need to forgive and forget. The problem with that is often that's actually just a throwaway statement that kind of is just there, but we often focus, the focus is on the second half of that. It's actually not a healthy statement to say, and it's actually not a biblical response either. In the entirety of those references that I mentioned, the 128, there's actually only one reference, and it's in Jeremiah 31, 34, where it says that God will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. And that was in relation to the people of Israel, and that's a little bit later in the story. 
You see, the thing is, as, as broken people as we are, trying to forget the sins that are committed against us is like trying to keep a beach ball underwater. We're trying to put constant pressure on it, and at some point it's just going to get too hard and it's going to bubble up and it's probably going to smash us in the face. The, the other thing is that the way we're actually trying to suppress those feelings actually has a way of leaving us feeling guilty. You know, that's why if we don't deal with it or, or try to ignore it, it kind of just hangs around. See, Joseph in this moment had the option of actually not dealing with it because the brothers didn't recognize who he was. He could have just kind of let the brothers walk away, but that would have left the wound still open. Instead, we see here, Joseph actually acknowledges what they've done to him. He addresses the elephant in the room and he calls it for what it is. And he says, I am your brother, the one you sold into slavery. But you know what? He also had the wisdom to deal with what had happened to him in private and not publicize it. See, Joseph in this moment doesn't forget it. Rather, he chooses to release the brothers from it because God had softened his heart. And he doesn't actually let it dictate the relationship moving forwards. He dealt with it. See, Joseph could have tried to forget in that moment, but he didn't. But then there's another option that Joseph could have taken. Joseph had the choice in that moment to stay in bitterness. Joseph could have chosen to hold on to what they did to him and harbored the anger in his heart, but he didn't. And and perhaps for us this morning, it's a a certain mistake, a, a misspoken word or a broken moment of trust that we're just holding on to. You see, bitterness is is just like when we just want to hold on to this stone. But the problem is that the more we try to hold on to this stone and the more we try to grip it, the harder it is for us to let it go. You know, it kind of gets to the point where we don't know where we stop and the bitterness starts. See, bitterness is is when that person has done something to you, but you can't actually even look at that person. You don't want to deal with that person. You don't want to love that person. You do not want to forgive that person. Or perhaps the other option is you actually want to wait for the opportune moment to throw it back at them. The problem is often we've gripped it so hard that we can't do that either. But secretly we're waiting for someone else to. See, the, th- the thing is, the longer that we hold on to that, the harder it is for us to start to pry open our fingers and let it go. See, Joseph held out his hands in prayer and he opened his hands in love. Joseph released that stone and demonstrated love and compassion to those that had hurt him by providing what they needed and more. Just how significant this moment is in terms of his provision, where it says the land of Goshen, that's in verse 10. This is the, the delta region uh, of Egypt, and it's where the Nile essentially dumps out all of its fertile Uh, stuff that runs down the river. And it's the most fertile land, or was the most fertile land in all of Egypt. 
and that was where he placed them. That area was so essential for Egyptian culture. It was essential uh, for Egyptian trade, a whole bunch of different things. That's the significance of the way Joseph turned that around and blessed them. See, Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 31 to 32, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. See, in that moment, Joseph had the choice to try and forget. He had the choice to stay in bitterness and Joseph had the choice to get revenge. Now, at this point in the story, Joseph had been holding on to the hurt for 22 years. Good thing I know a really good chiropractor. But the problem was, their decisions had impacted Joseph greatly. And perhaps maybe this morning, this is how you're feeling. You felt like someone has, has hurt you and you're just carrying this weight around and it continues to hurt you. It's continuing to shape you in a way that you don't like, but we actually don't have any idea how to get rid of it. Or maybe we just feel like we want to get revenge and throw the entire weight onto them so that they feel how we're feeling. See, Joseph's third response could have been to get payback, to get revenge, seek vengeance, settle the score, get even, whatever you want to call it. Joseph could have quite easily have thrown all of them into prison, let them starve, sold them into slavery, put them through what he went through, or extracted some other sort of revenge, but he didn't. Joseph could have used the weight of his hurt to inflict hurt on his brothers, and his father again. But see, the thing is that this need for revenge is actually the most natural response for us, and it's the most natural part of our sinful human hearts. And there's a, there's a bunch of different references, particularly that, that Jesus says, but Peter writes in 1 Peter 3.9, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. And, and Jesus, one of my favorite ones, in Matthew 5, 43 to 44, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But man, that's hard. But instead, we see Joseph's response where he goes and he embraces his brothers who'd done those things to him. Joseph hugs them, he kisses them, he weeps with them, he provides for them, he forgives them. I wonder if, if you were in Joseph's shoes. I wonder how hard that would have been for him to forgive them in that moment. How hard it would have been for him not to forget what they did to him. Not, to not get bitter, to not want to take some form of revenge. If you were in Joseph's shoes, how would you have responded in that moment? The reason I know that these are three very realistic responses is because I've done all three. 
I've had people that have done things to me and my family that should never have been done to another person, ever. And all I wanted in that moment was to get revenge on them and make them feel the way that I felt. To make them hurt the way we were hurting. I've had moments where I've held on to bitterness and I just didn't want to let it go. And you know what? It's even harder when it's a family member. I've tried to ignore, I've tried to forget things that people have done to me and hope somehow that it'll magically just fix itself or I've actually just tried to avoid that person altogether so I don't have to deal with them. I don't have to deal with the problem. Now, this is, this is a work in progress for me, but, but I've learned that unless I'm actually willing to give this over to God, there is no way that I will get any sense of freedom because it's actually hurting me. The other thing that I've realized in this moment is as much as all that was the actions of other people that were impacting me, I have been just as responsible for inflicting hurt and pain and offense to other people. And I've had to work on reconciling that with the people that I've done that to. And I'm a work in progress, and I, and I got schooled this week. You know, I had to be reminded of, again, of what Jesus has done for me and the example that Joseph sets here in this passage. You see, when, when Joseph finally saw his brothers again, there was so much that had changed in his life. The brothers didn't recognize him. Uh, like I said, at this point, Joseph was second in command in Egypt, and the brothers came to him because they needed food. And if you remember, we, we see Joseph's dreams as a boy in this moment actually became a reality when they had to bow down to him in order to get what they needed. And Joseph could have actually abused that or not done anything with that in that moment, yet he chose to forgive them. This is the, the incredible part. Joseph chose to do what was considered unexpected and he did this because God had planted forgiveness in his heart. See, forgiveness is always part of God's plan. Just think for a moment. Imagine if you were the brothers in that moment though. How, how this must have felt for them. You know, they'd just been found out. It was kind of that kid in the cookie jar kind of moment where he had that look on his face like, oh, you just got sprung. And, and no doubt they actually would have been expecting some form of punishment, some for, form of revenge, and they would have been expecting Joseph to be angry in that moment. And, and we read in verse 4 that his brothers weren't even able to answer a question when he asked them if his father were still alive because they were terrified in his presence. See, the brothers knew what should have been coming. But Joseph's brothers couldn't have predicted that outcome. Joseph told them not to be upset with, them, with themselves and drew them close. He wept with them and he forgave them. You know what, this, is, this just shows how incredible... God is and how impactful choosing forgiveness can be. You know, Martin Luther King said that forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant 
attitude. And this was the fourth option that Joseph chose, and this is what it demonstrates. It's that the key to forgiveness is our attitude, and the key to our attitude is being willing to submit it to God. See, forgiveness between Joseph and his brothers would never have happened. We wouldn't have read this story if he had have chose any of those three negative attitudes. Joseph had made a decision and, and let God do a work in his heart. And he'd made the choice before God to forgive his brothers and to trust God to deal with them and to right the wrongs. See, Joseph was forgiving, kind, loving and caring despite the horrible rejection and harsh treatment he'd received from his brothers. And it opened a way for them to be forgiven by him. You know, there might be people that we feel like we're not able to forgive. But God can, and he can help us to as well if we're willing to submit it to him. And as hard as this is to hear, and as hard as a pill this is to swallow, the key to forgiveness is our attitudes, and often we have to take the initiative. I wonder this morning if you've ever fully understood who took the initiative for us so that we could be forgiven. That's you and me. You see, in, in a world that seems to be about only doing things that, uh, and responding in ways that only benefit us, th- this becomes even harder to understand uh, because forgiveness is seemingly countercultural. Because to forgive means that we choose to absorb the pain and loss caused by the other person and they go free even when they don't deserve it. See, forgiveness is costly for the one doing the forgiving, but it's also incredibly freeing. It cost God his one and only son, but in doing so, he made it possible for humanity to be forgiven and set free. You know, there's a saying that hurt people hurt people. And I wonder what the world would look like if we actually chose the position and changed our attitudes just like Joseph did, and we've kind of flipped that thinking on its head, where instead of trying to ignore what's happened to us, instead of trying to hold on and harboring bitterness or anger or seeking revenge, we look to Joseph's example. See, in this moment, Joseph had the opportunity to continue the circle of hurt, yet he chose to live in the freedom of forgiveness. See, just like Joseph, Jesus shows us the way. And when we remember what God did for us through Jesus, even though we didn't deserve it, we no longer live lives as hurting people who hurt people, but instead as freed people who free people. You know, the the same Jesus that went to the cross to forgive us is is the same Jesus that when he was confronting a group of, of, of people that were about to stone a prostitute, said to them, you who is without sin, or to paraphrase it, you who does not need forgiveness can cast the first stone. Yet when we look at the picture of Jesus, when he's on the cross, he had his hands nailed. And it meant 
that even if he wanted to, he could not bend down and pick those stones up, even though he was the only person that could do that. In that moment, he didn't choose to throw the things that we'd done wrong back in our face. Instead, his arms were open wide. He wanted to embrace us. He wanted to love us. He wanted to forgive us. He wanted to set us free. You know, this morning, maybe you've walked in and this one of these three areas is kind of where, where you're struggling. Maybe this morning you're kind of carrying the weight of the hurt from somebody and you're struggling to figure out how to let it go. See, one of the, one of the incredible things that God does is he works in mysterious ways. And Mike and I didn't even talk about how a faithful God provides for us. But this is a faithful God that says, when you come to me, I'll set you free. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.